1: Let's move into some other players, Ryan, that need to have sort of stay-or-go decisions. Sure. A unique one for me is Brandon Joseph. Mm-hmm. So Brandon Joseph came to Notre Dame from Northwestern. He was an All-American in 2020. Excellent player. Mm-hmm. Disappointing 2021 season. I know you were fired up about him. You convinced me eventually at some reservations. He was not really healthy most of this year. spanged banged up most of this year. Didn't really show a whole lot. In my opinion, I think there's a twofold argument to, to, to him, right? Number one is, should he come back? And should you bring him back? <laughs> are two completely different conversations for me. Sure. And I guess kind of part of it depends on, are you definitely confident that you're going to get Peyton Bowen on signing day? If you are, then I would honestly say, move on. If you're not, then maybe you try to convince him to come back. But I just kind of feel like Ryan with Brandon Joseph, it's really hard for me to gauge the value he brings mm-hmm. just because he just hasn't been a really good football player the last two years. And now you start to wonder was 2020 the, the COVID year and all that, the anomaly, and this is more who he is, or is he just struggling to get it, get, to get that year back? I mean, cause you, you have to say there's been more snaps of him in college as an okay safety than there are mm-hmm. snaps of him in college as a great safety.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data
2: Brian, like this one comes down to there has I think there is a heart to heart conversation that has with Brandon Joseph, right? And I think that it's not just with Chris O'Leary, right? That's a Marcus Freeman sitting down and being like, like, let's let's be real about this, man. Let's be real. You weren't great this year. You had moments, right? Like Syracuse. You had a great game against Syracuse, right? You had some flashes against Ohio State that were impressive and exciting. But throughout the entirety, you did not live up to maybe what the expectations were to begin the year. Why is that? Right. Let's talk it out. Tell me what you're thinking. And from there, I think a conversation starts. And I think, honestly, at at the end of the day, Brian, for me, it comes down to as a coaching staff, how much do you trust him if he wants to come back? Right. If you trust him and what he's telling you, and there were some circumstances that were standing in way of him being the player that maybe he can be, then I think I would be open to him potentially coming back. But I think I don't know the answer to that one though, because I don't talk to Brandon Joseph on a day-to-day basis. I don't know what makes him tick. I don't know what his work ethics like. Like I don't know those things, right? I don't, I do know that later in the season, it seemed to me like he was taking some plays off. Like that's what it seemed like to me. I, I seem it seemed like there wasn't a ton of effort a lot in the over the last few games. Like that's what I see, right? But I don't talk to him every single day, so right. I think that there's a heart to heart that needs to come to, to come to fruition here because I think he's in a tough spot because he'll get drafted. He's going to get drafted. Sure, probably more of a mid round guy comparative to what I thought he could be at one point. But he'll get drafted because he does have still some ball production in college. He has good ball skills. He's shown those types of things and flashes during his career. I mean, not in flashes. I mean, the guy has, what, 10 interceptions in yeah, his career? Yeah, 2020 was him,
1: not a flash. I mean, that was a right. whole season. I mean, yes. he didn't just have a like couple s- good games. It was a whole season. Exactly, yeah. Right. So so he he
2: has the ball production to stand by. He has the moment flashes during this season, although it was very few and far between. But he is now a player that... You're a mid to late round guy. That's what you are right now. So generally, I would say that guy needs to go back to school, right? I mean, that makes most sense. A guy is a mid-round pick and you'd go back to school, increase your draft stock more than likely, right? right? At a safety position. And he isn't in that position though right now because it's. I think that that heart heart needs to happen if it hasn't happened already. Like there needs to be a comfortability. If there's not comfort, then we're not – like this is even a conversation to have, right? You move on, whether that's him – declaring for the draft whether he ends up going to a different school like i don't know what the outcome of that one is but if you don't trust them you move on simple as that if you do right. i would give it a thought a deep thought and we would have that conversation at that point but regardless you need to understand what happened this year what makes him tick what the issue was what's the deal man because the games where he came out and he looked pumped up like i, I mean brian we were both at syracuse right like you saw him in pregame and he was getting some really juice good. into those boys, man. And then he had his best game of the season by yeah. by a large. Why that did that and not Ohio happen? Ohio State
1: were clearly his two best games.
2: Why yeah. did that not happen more regularly? I need to understand that. Could Why it have been injury effort-
1: related, right? That's the thing. Like, hey. was the effort not there late because he just didn't feel comfortable on, on an on a leg or something? You know, he didn't feel comfortable if there was, I don't know, if there was a shoulder injury that he that we don't know about. Sure. You have to know all those things that we don't know. So we we've yeah. got we've got to admit what we don't know, right? I mean, and what we don't know is why did he look like you said, Ryan? Is it he didn't want to hurt himself because of the draft? Is it he was gutting it out and that's the best he could give? And he just didn't have, you know, there's a lot of things you have to ask yourself that we don't know that the staff, to your point, the staff will know that and it'll go a long way towards what direction they want to go with him. And it's really fascinating, Brian, because I would say this, right?
2: Definitely wasn't as good in 2021 as 2020. Like it wasn't even close. But when you watched the 2021 film, I, I watched a few games. I know you did as well. Did you ever have any effort issues with him? Like that was nothing no. that I ever saw. It was like bad technique as a tackler right. at points. Even Yeah,
1: 2021 you're talking about, right? Yeah, it yes. was never, it was it was never, never really about effort.
2: No. But, so what, what you don't know is, weird.
1: okay, was it this year a, a, about – the NFL draft is right around the corner, or like I said, were there injuries that, that were part of it? Was there, you know, an, an uncertainty in the defense that would be gone in year two of the D de- I mean, there's so many different things to look at Ryan that, that we don't know. So we can't say for sure. Nope. Move on. Cause he doesn't care. doesn't want to be here. I can't say right. that. Right. Exactly. I, I, I can tell you what it looked like. I can't tell you the reasons why I don't have, I don't have really Intel to share on that one right now. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, I can just tell you what I saw was not a really good football player that you couldn't trust to be out there every day. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's something, you know, so like if, if you feel that this current safety class is going to, is going to stay together and and it's not a hint to any people are going to take it that way. It's just, it's just a hypothetical because they're not signed yet. Right. If you feel this safety class is going to stay together, Peyton Bowen Adon Don Shuler, Ben Minich, then I would say I would actually be comfortable saying, okay, move on. And then, get Xavier, get Ramon, and then the young kids kind of coached up. And then I would take a corner, and I, whether it's Ryan Barnes, whether it's Clarence Lewis, I would take a corner and, and consider moving him into that role as well, safety role as well, to, to compete for a job. That's what I would do. And so yeah. – because, you know, I don't want to thrust freshmen into that role, but, I mean, the reality is is, is would you be shocked at all if Peyton Bowen literally took Brandon Joseph's spot next year, and I'm not talking just safety. I'm talking safety and punt returner. Would you be shocked if, if he took that role next year? I wouldn't.
2: And I wouldn't, I wouldn't be shocked if he was a freshman all American next year. Like he's that type of
1: dude, you know, like I wouldn't be shocked at all. Yeah. And so I'd rather kind of go with that than to move on, than to take another chance on a younger, on an older guy that you're not sure what the buy-in is. Yeah. So, Here's the final question, Ryan. Mm-hmm. Let's just say hypoth- hypothetical, folks. Yep. Let's say hypothetically Notre Dame says, "Hey, um, Brandon, we we're, we're you know we're, we think it's time for us both to move on." If you're Brandon Joseph, do you go pro and just take your chances there, test well, do all that, or do you maybe transfer somewhere else for a fifth year?
2: I I think that in that situation, I would go pro if I was him because I just from Intel on the NFL side, right? Like he's not the early rounder that once was maybe theorized, but he's still a kid that I know for a fact has a major all-star game invites, right? If he chooses Mm -hmm. to come out. So he's still going to have opportunities in the draft process. And honestly, and this is just my opinion. I'm not quoting any you know, scouts that I've talked to or any personnel or anything like that, but being at three different schools, I start to kind of raise an eyebrow like, huh, why have you been at three different schools, bud? Like that's a little mm-hmm. concerning to me, right? So at this point he's going to be a graduate. He's going to have his degree. He's going to have all those things, right? Because he was close to that before he even transferred to Notre Dame. So having your degree, four-year player, I think that for me, if that was the – it was either transfer or, or to go pro. If I was Brandon Joseph, I feel like I would bet on myself and I would try to go pro. Agree.
1: No, uh, I think that there's one other safety that has a potentially an extra year. That's DJ Brown. I think you and I both agree that it's time for DJ to you know, either take a shot in the NFL or move on. Yep. I, I yep. think that's definitely, the, for me, the way to go. Yeah. Secondary wise, Cam Hart's already decided to come back. So that's obviously big and there really is nobody else that's got a draft decision in the third level defensive Mm -hmm. line wise. I mean, we could maybe mention Riley Mills or Howard Cross as, you know, as as now draft eligible players, Howard Cross is obviously a senior, but I think they're both guys that should come back. And I mean, that's not really a discussion linebacker. I kind of feel like that's another one where, unless they're told to, hey you know maybe you should move on which i have not been told that that's going to happen with any of those linebackers uh you know I, none of those guys have draft decisions i think the there's just not a lot of draft decisions really to be made that would make sense i think the only other one would be offensively when you look at a guy like a brayden lindsey you know does the staff try to bring him back like okay here's do you go to the portal and get a guy or do you try to convince brayden lindsey to come back for sixth year uh, or do you just trust with what you have in your young guys coming in next year? I think those are the questions in the debate that you have. You know, I just, I think it's kind of time for him to take a shot. You've had two healthy years, mm-hmm. a kid who had some injury history in the past. You've had two healthy years. Go run really fast it's, at the pro day and, as well. Yeah, <laughs> And, you know, cause like, look, you know, may, maybe he comes back next year, but it would most likely, this was the year where he had a chance to be the guy. Sure. I I think next year would be harder for him to beat the guy. He just would be a a part of the rotation next year. Mm -hmm. I feel bad for him. I actually think that he's going to have some film that NFL teams are going to like this year. Mm -hmm. Because they're going to put him in the film. Like, dude, this this guy's open. No, he didn't catch a lot of balls. But this guy's open all the time down the field. Mm -hmm. I don't know why he didn't get the ball more. I just feel like with Braden and just kind of how the season played out, the niche that he's kind of found himself in at Notre Dame, which I don't quite understand. I think it's best for him to, to – to, for me, if I was advising him, I'd say, hey, man, it's probably us yes that you, you're healthy, right? Go time real fast, and, you know, some team's going to say, this kid caught, you know, 60 balls of his career at Notre Dame, 60, 70 balls of his career at Notre Dame, and, you know, had some big plays, and he's healthy, going to run real fast, and, you know, let's take a shot on this kid. I think that's, to me, um, the the – best option for him because again, he's got 70 career catches for 887 yards and eight touchdowns. He's got 276 career rushing yards, two more touchdowns. So, you know, for his career, Ryan, he's got 93 touches for 1163 yards and 10 touchdowns. It's not like he doesn't have film and production to show people, Mm -hmm. you know, he's going to have film over the years to show people and say, Hey, look, it is what it is. I'm look, but look how fast I ran. Somebody's going to take a shot on that kid either late in the draft or most likely I would say as a, as a uh, priority priority free agent. agent.
0: Yeah. yeah.
2: I mean it, but he does have a couple things working for him, right? I mean, that speed, make fun of it folks, but if a if a scout has a 438 on his clock, it's going to be hard to kind of ignore that at the pro day, right? Like those things are going to be hard for some guys. So, he Brandon Lindsay, Brandon Lindsay will definitely get a look. There's no doubt. Pedigree, Notre Dame, run fast. He's going to get a look in a camp. There's no doubt about it. From there it'll be about how consistent can you be? Mm-hmm. And can you can you contribute on special teams at all? If you can, then we'll see what happens. Maybe he's yeah. a practice squatter. like it, yeah. It's it's possible, right? So I, I think that he has some things working for him. I It's very unfortunate with how everything has kind of transpired during his career because I still think there was more that you could have gotten out of his talent, unfortunately. And some things are in his control. Some things were not in right. his control, which is an unfortunate part. But I do think that he is a guy that will intrigue some NFL teams,
1: and he will definitely be in a camp next year. There's yeah. no doubt about it. And just so people understand, me wanting him to go is not that I wouldn't want him back. It's just that I just don't think Notre Dame is going to put him in the role that would make it worth for him to come back if I was advising him. That's where it comes from. If it was up to me, I would have used him more this year, and we were not having this conversation. <laughs> you know you right. know my stance on him as a player, Ryan. And uh, okay. you know, you and I saw enough film this year, and you watched him in person twice to be like, if this kid if this kid got thrown the ball half the time that he was just like really open, he'd have mm-hmm. close to a thousand yards this year. It's insane how like it is really nuts. Uh, I think I'm going to do that on the board one of these days. I'm going to go through it in the all 22 one night when I can't sleep because you know I can never sleep and just screenshot every time he's like five yards past a guy <laughs> and just be like not here and just put it on the board like the 50 clips of him just like smoking a dude and the ball not coming his way. You know what I mean. So I just want to make sure that or if it does, Brayden.
2: or if it does come his way, it's like three seconds too late, and he still right. comes back and makes a great catch, right?
1: <laughs> right, like the Navy game, right? Yes, right, yes, exactly, exactly. Um, and and sixty-year thing to me or is to me is, would not be an option if I was advising Braden either, just because. Again, are you going to really go somewhere? They're going to make you a sixty-catch, a thousand-yard guy, and are, can you guarantee me you're going to be healthy? You kind of are what you are you know, mm-hmm. at this point in time, take your chance, run real fast, try to get an invite and then go, go do your thing there. And then somebody made a great point. And if you know, Braden, you, you understand this, center, he's going to make 200,000 plus a year the rest of his life, even if the NFL doesn't work out because of how he took advantage of his degrees at Notre Dame. And that's spot on. Yep. That's spot yep. on. And that's one of the reasons you come to Notre Dame football doesn't work out. Braden Lindsay's going to be very successful in life, <laughs> whether football works out or not. So those are those are the decisions for me Ryan. I don't think there's a lot of other decisions. I mean do you think any of the linebackers have NFL like legit NFL decisions to make? I don't think that they do. I,
2: I don't. I mean so NFS had I think JD Bertrand with like a 7th round grade in the preseason. Yeah. I don't think that that's held up obviously with the yeah. kind of inconsistencies. So I really don't. I mean yeah. I think it would be in their best interest if they are taken back that they should go back in my opinion.
1: And if they don't, it's kind of where I'm leaning towards. Then I'd say find a place where you can go be a starter for another year. Yes. And yes. and play. That mm-hmm. would be the thing for me. So no doubt. that's kind of my stance on that. So that's sort of the stay or go. A little bit different group. I mean, because obviously Jarrett Patterson technically has another year that he could play. But there'd be no reason for him to take it. And, and know, he already
2: accepted a senior bowl a senior invite, bowl, so. right.
1: <laughs> um, Josh Lug can't come back. I mean, Zeke Carell doesn't really have a de- I mean, decision. I mean, I mean, Zeke Carell's not an NFL kid just, you know, yet. And and so, I mean, there's you really think, nobody uh, else. Jo- jo- Joe all competition to leave as a second-year player if he wants, I guess. but I guess. I mean, yeah. I mean, you know Mike <laughs> yeah. Williams found out that's not a great idea. Yes. Um, who was the other guy? It was Mike Williams and Maurice Claret, right, were mm-hmm. the two guys that that year. Did they do it the same year? Maurice Claret
2: tried to leave after his freshman year. Right, but didn't year, they man. do
1: it the same year, though? Wasn't Mike Williams and Maurice Claret? Claret the same year. Let me Maybe. look that up. I thought they tried to do it the, the same year. Mike Williams USC stats. Let me just find it here real quick. Because Mike, yeah, no, yeah, he was he was later. He was after remember, after Claret.
2: I remember Mike. Mike Williams had a little reclamation project in the NFL for a year with the Seahawks. I mm-hmm. remember that. But yeah, he was so good in
0: college. And he did it the
1: year after Maurice Claret. Maurice Claret gotcha. tried it after 02, correct? Yes. Yep. And then Mike Williams tried it after 03, and they both lost. So yeah. yeah. Mike R- Williams R- is really good. His first two years at USC, good. Yes, He's he scored, he got thirty touchdowns in his first two years at USC.
2: So Maurice Clarett tried it through his freshman year, got denied. Obviously, he ends up ple- um, when he ends up actually coming out, he was a third round Tra- dude. I don't, even, I don't even, I don't even want to hear it.
1: I don't even want <laughs> to talk about it. I'm still bitter about that. Dude, he didn't what? even make. He didn't what? make. Uh, he didn't make out of, canvas, make
2: it out of a camp as a third
1: round pick. It's wild, yes, man. Stupid ridiculous just absolutely ridiculous don't get me started that was back when mike shanahan thought that he could take any running back behind his line and turn him into a player because remember they signed ron dane like they just kept thinking they this you know like hey we Ole- turned mike yeah. you know mike anderson and Orlando's gary into a thousand land is
2: scary Gary. You know Gary. Was i mean good we turn anybody yeah. in a
1: thousand yard rusher i'm like no not really not really but uh anyway so yeah not a lot of nfl decisions being to be made other than the two kids that already decided and justin adamiel i think those to me are the biggest. NFL decisions to make yeah. on the current Notre Dame roster.
0: All
1: right, Ryan, let's go to the mailbag now. So we've, we've had several questions now. We just had another super chat pop up here real quick, and we'll kind of we'll pull that one up first because it's kind of related to what we just discussed, Ryan, uh, about NFL draft. But Nathan Lopes, uh, I'm going to say it's Lopes because it's it's spelled like Davey Lopes from back in the day. If it fits Lopez, mm-hmm. I apologize, Nathan, but I'm going to say Nathan Lopes. Uh, let me know if I got that wrong. Will Michael Mayer get a first-round grade from you? mr Ryan, he will he will he
2: already does i already did my preliminary grade on him so i just need to finalize it and type it up and all that good stuff but yes he will have a first round grade he is one of the top tight ends i've ever graded he might be number one i need to look that up actually but yes he is a first round tight
1: end there's no doubt about it do you think he is do you think there's any chance barring injury that he falls out of the first round I would be shocked
2: if Michael Mayer falls out of the first round. Like, actually, chin on floor, shocked. I just – I I can't see that happening, man. He's got the pedigree. He's got the production. He's got the body. Like, everything about him screams first round. I would just be
1: very, very surprised if he doesn't go in the first. Yep, I agree. Let's go. We had another super chat up here from Brian Chesanic. Thank you, Brian, very, very much. He goes, My favorite freshman to watch next year, besides Peyton, besides the Bowens, are Christian Gray, Brandon Hillman at wide receiver, uh great house, love it running back, hard to pick four. Also, living uh in North Carolina my whole life, the respect for Indy has pulled a 180 the last five years. Thank you. Hmm. Well, that's good to hear. That's very yeah. good to hear. Uh, mainly because they've smacked uh the teams from that region in the last five years the last <laughs> time they lost to a team from north carolina i believe was 2016 right they lost to nc state in the hurricane game because mm, they beat yeah. carolina and in, they beat uh carolina and nc state in 17 mm-hmm. they didn't play either one of them in 18 they didn't play either one of them in 19 uh they did beat duke in 19 mm, and they wow. beat duke in 20 and they beat north carolina in 20 and then they beat North Carolina last year, and then they beat North Carolina again this year. So, yeah, I would and then they beat Wake Forest in 18, 17, and 18. So, yeah, the state of North Carolina has not had a lot of success against Notre Dame. Yeah. So, yeah. And the state of you South think- Carolina is one and two against Notre Dame the last three times they've played, by the way, yeah. you should mention. Brian, you, um,
2: you think with the Dylan Edwards decommitment that Brandon Hellman gets more of an offensive look early now than you would suppose? I still I think
1: know. I still think they're just kind of in a let's see how everything shakes out let's see yeah you know let's see who all signs on the dotted line right sure. um, let's see who you know because there's a scenario in which you know maybe he gets a shot at running back if some guys don't sign again we're just hypotheticals out there I mean who knows what signing day we believe right now everyone's saying the right things we'll see what happens but there's a lot of things you know maybe it's rover. You know maybe depending on how the roster shakes out, like let's just say hypothetically Jack Kaiser decides you know what I don't want to split reps next year i'm I'm gonna go transfer to Purdue hundred hypothetical people. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go transfer to Purdue or Indiana and play my last year or somewhere where I can be an inside backer or something like that. I don't know sure and then all of a sudden like hey you may you may want to have a conversation where maybe Brandon's playing sooner there. Uh, receiver run. I mean it, I just say let everything shake out let the portal shake out let signing day shake out I don't believe he's an early enrollee I don't think so so you'll have time you don't have to figure it out see how spring ball goes and that's the pitch for him is like hey man we're we're, we're just recruiting you as an athlete we'll figure out where we can get you on the field the fastest I think there's just see how spring ball goes see how the portal goes see how the draft decisions go and then figure out where you can get him on the field the fastest and that's exactly why you recruit a kid like that is for that exact reason, um, but you know other freshmen to watch. You know, Brian. We'll talk a lot more about this on signing day, but I mean, I think you nailed a lot mm-hmm. of them. You know, mm-hmm. I think I think Jalen Greathouse is Jay, uh, Braylon James is a guy that maybe could find a niche role as a vertical guy. You know, running backs going to be tough just because they're so thin, thick there, uh, deep there. You know, the the depth mm-hmm. is so good there, and you'll get Jadarian Price next year. But man, Jeremiah Love is going to be really hard to keep off the field next year, Ryan, which we'll get sure. into. I think at least one of the freshmen D linemen works into the rotation somehow, whether it's mm-hmm. Devin Houston inside, whether it's Bubakar or Brendan Vernon as a big end or a three technique. I think one of those guys will play next year. Um, you know, I, 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 Micah Bell to me is a guy that could maybe have a chance just because of his speed, you know, mm-hmm. and he's kind of a strong kid for a skinny guy. You know, maybe he competes yes. for the nickel slot next year, a little bit, you know, at Notre Dame, uh, and then another guy that that you know Peyton Bowen obviously I think could be a starter, but another guy that that could have a could have a chance to get some time next year is a Don Schuler as a part of the safety rotation. He's another guy to look at. Absolutely. All right, good follow up there. Thank you very much, Ryan. Oh, I'm, so- um, <laughs> I'm sorry. It's all good. So anyway uh moving on you took every
2: you took every player which you want me to say all all of
1: them are good (laughs) turtle clinks monocle uh took a half day glad i can finally make a weekday live show does south carolina have anyone opting out they
2: yeah i mean as of now they have for sure cam smith is opting out their cornerback he declared for the draft so he is not gonna play and then they have a couple kids already have already hit the portal the notable ones are jaheem bell their there tight ends entered the portal as did another tight, other end, tight slash end, Austin Stogner. Yes, which is the oh, craziest thing I've ever seen. But yes, <laughs> and then Austin Stogner is already transferred, transferring back to Oklahoma. That's one of the weirdest still, portal
1: things I've seen. It happened quick, like, man. Happened.
2: Weird. I I got a tip on that one maybe like a week before he entered the portal that he was going back to Oklahoma. I'm like, okay, <laughs> cool. Yeah. But yeah, as of now, the only yeah. guys I know of for sure that are. Legitimate producers are Cam Smith, who probably going to go relatively early in the draft, a the corner. Then Jaheem Bell and Austin Stogner, so they do not
1: have much depth of tight end right now with South Carolina. Yeah, that's a uh, yeah, not 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 ideal situation. Irish blooded. With Edwards' decommitment and his spot open, is there another position that spot might go to that has more need than receiver than running back and wide receiver? So, Ryan, you want you update kind of what we put on the board this morning, and if you were on the message board, actually, I think Irish Blood it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ryan's we had well we had an update this morning on on Khalil Barnes uh, yeah. that kind of makes it seem like I think Notre name is good where they are right now. Yeah. So definitely check that on the board. They were going to go visit him today. That was the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And then they decided not to because I think they're comfortable with where they are. Say, look, sign the guys we have. That's an elite class. And I mean, that's why why Brandon Hillman is such an important thing, Ryan, because you lose a Dylan Edwards if you need that fifth, seventh guy at the two skill positions, he could be there, you know, Uh, otherwise you can rover, safety, receiver, running back, wherever there's the need, you can figure out where to play him as we talked about before. But I think right now, Ryan, that the plan plan is to stand pat. There's some other guys they – like they offered Mason Robinson today, defensive end from Maryland. He's probably going to Penn State. Mm You know, Obviously, if certain guys called him and wanted to commit last second, they'd take him. I I think their thing is we're not going to fill a spot just to fill a spot. If there's a guy out there that we really think can help our football team, we'll bring him in. And I think with Khalil Barnes, it's more of he really wanted to play receiver, and I just don't think at the end of the day – Once they got Caleb Smith, they really felt the need to put him there because that's not his best position, in my opinion. That's what he Mm -hmm. thinks his best position is, but I don't think it's his best position, and I don't think the staff ultimately believe this is his best position, so uh, instead of telling the kid what he wants to hear to get him in the class, knowing you don't really think you can play there, they just decided to move on, which I respect that, to be completely honest with you.
2: And I mean, I talked about that on the show yesterday, Brian. It's I mean, kudos to Notre Dame in one sense, right? Like it stinks to lose a guy like Dylan Edwards, but you did create incredible depth at a couple of different positions that he could have potentially played, right? So you have four fantastic wide receivers in the class. You have two really great running backs in the class as well, as of now, right? You have to see what happens at signing day, but you have six players in that, in those two positions right now where losing a Dylan Edwards, it hurts, but it's not, it's not earth shattering, right? It's not like you are like, Oh man, what are we going to do now? Like it's, it's not one of those situations. So it stinks, but they're able to bounce back, I think quickly with it. And like you said, I don't think they're going to force a player that they don't love. Right. Like I think they, I think they liked Khalil Barnes as an athlete. There's no doubt, but just more wide receiver. It's not
1: his best fit. They liked him more as a DB and he just was set on getting a shot at receiver, which you know, I don't even know if Clemson's necessarily recruiting him as a receiver, are they? Like it, it's that's what see that's why Notre Dame was his leader, because they were willing to give him that shot. But once they got to uh Caleb Smith, it was like there was not the need there.
2: I think that Notre Dame and Oklahoma are similar with their idea of of Khalil Barnes, which is why I didn't think that they were gonna end up with either spot, where I think that Oklahoma also thinks that he's a defensive back at the next yeah. level. So I'm not really sure what Clemson thinks that thinks of him. I just know that Clemson wants him. Um, so, mm-hmm. yeah. So,
1: I I think Clemson. I, I could be wrong, but I think Clemson kind of looks at him like Notre Dame looks at Brandon Hillman. Mm-hmm. Just hey, let's just get him, and we'll figure yeah, the rest figure out figure later. It out. So sure. yeah. I want to bring this super chat up because this is big. Mike Sullivan, one of the members of our message board, put a prayer request out on the board this morning. Uh, Sort of an emergency situation with his daughter that was very scary. She had to be rushed to the hospital. Uh, Mike fills us in says thanks everyone for the thoughts and prayers. It was just a large abscess surgery went well she is doing she's going to be super sore for a few days, but we can handle that I read the post multiple times during my surgery. Thanks. You are very, very welcome. And if I remember correctly, Ryan, isn't she, she's young, right? Is Mike's daughter's young? I believe so. So, So, um, yeah, I believe she, he, I'm I'm pulling the post up here now. Uh, but I believe she's, uh, eight years old and, uh, so very scary, Mike. And so we are glad that it's worked out. And, um, we're happy for you, man. And you know, you always, you always got your IB family to, to pray for you and, and be there for you, man. So we're glad to hear that. And We thank you very much, Mike, not just for your super chat, but more importantly for letting us know. Uh, I'm not a parent like Ryan's a parent. He has a, he's a, he's a girl dad about to be a mm-hmm. two-time girl dad here <laughs> yeah. for yeah. too long. Uh, a lot of other girl dads, a lot of other dads period in the, in the board. So I, you know, I just remember how it was for us with Rita as who's a dog. I, you know, I couldn't imagine having to rush my, my flesh and blood to the, the hospital, so man, I'm glad things are going well, Mike. Very, very glad to, to hear that uh, she's gonna be okay. Johnny from the boot asks Ryan, maybe quick answer since Edwards decommitted based on NIL and the abundance of talent committed, do you think the commitment of Hillman was the final straw?
2: Look, I, I think that I mean, I mean, Brian, did it have some impacts? I would say probably, right? I mean, I think that you're looking. When Dylan's originally looking at the class, he's like, okay, how am I going to fit into this conversation? You have a couple of really talented running backs. You have four wide receivers. And I think that when you get a guy like a Brandon Hillman that could potentially play two of the positions that you play, right? Like it, it is a little unsettling as far as where's my playing time ultimately going to come from. So I, I'm sure it was part mm-hmm. of the equation, Johnny. I ultimately though, at this point, I think that this one is more, a lot of things kind of piling up and then Mm -hmm. other opportunities being out there. Like, I think that's, he wants to be the guy
1: and he was not going to be the guy, the guy at Notre Dame. That's okay. Whatever. Yeah, sure. Sure. Maybe, you know, I'm not going to take any shots at the kid. He made the decision is best for him. I just don't like the way again, a lot of times in life, I don't have a problem with your decision. I don't like the way you made It is the thing that I would say uh, I didn't agree with. And, uh, you know, but to each their own, teach their own Mm -hmm. DBZ super chat. Thank you. Thank you. D get into a coach. This is in reference to the Michael Mayer, John Mackey award. I spent a lot of my, most of my career doing this, pushing back on the narrative for Notre Dame fans that like, dude, not everything is a conspiracy against Notre Dame. Not, (laughs) but it's like, honestly, Ryan, I just can't anymore. Yeah. Like with a lot of stuff. Like like it started with Quentin Nelson not winning the Outland. Still wild. Like the fact who, that the best guard either? Ed Oliver. <laughs> Good player in the AAC. Player, yeah. Right. But like a, you know, the the most dominant interior offensive lineman I've ever seen. The That's second the most dominant off- the second most dominant offensive lineman I've ever seen behind Orlando Pace in college. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm doesn't win any any of those awards didn't win a single not a single postseason award other than all-american you know it, it's like tyler eifert doesn't i mean tyler eifert should have won two Mackies. you know the yeah. only reason he won the second one is because Notre Dame went undefeated like he he won the he won the mackey the year he was way less productive you know like just some of the stuff you look at like will fuller I don't even believe was a finalist for the Belitnickoff in 15. Um, some of the stuff it's like how you put Brock Bowers how he gets the award over over and all these clown Georgia fans and some of these I've met a lot of good Georgia fans over the years, most in person, but on Twitter they're in, they're just stupid some of these people. But their thing is, well look at his rushing yards. Really? His rushing yards? You know, oh, well, he, the ball got spread around more, Georgia. Yeah, which is not – it's like you're not making the argument you think you're making. Like, the fact that Mayer – everyone in the stadium knew that he was the primary target in Notre Dame and focused their entire defense. Like, one guy today was like, well, you know, uh, Bowers forced defenses to, to – and I'm like, dude – I was like, tell me you've never watched Michael Mayer without telling me you've never watched Michael Mayer, right? Like, it's just a clown show. It's, it, it's like it, – I'm at the point now where it's like, okay, I give up. I, I can't – Oh, I watched rivals release their rankings recently, right? And who are the two kids that rate went up the most in the rankings? Jay Lamar and Peyton Bowen, the two guys who are considered the most likely to flip. You know what I mean? And Dylan Edwards, who, who, you know what I mean? And then, yeah, they put Kenny Minchie in. He's in now. And uh, Aptcher's in now. Yeah, but then they dropped Adon Schuler down to a three-star. They dropped out Cooper Flanagan from it. They dropped not, out not- Sam Pendleton from it. And I'm it's just I'm- like.
2: I just can't imagine anybody that could watch a Don Schuler and be like, you know what? That's a three-star player. Yeah. Like, that's uh, we're
1: going to ignore player. the fact that Georgia and Alabama and Ohio State tried to flip him during the senior season. But, yeah, he's a three-star. Like some of this stuff is just – I can't I can't watch. And some people say, well, they didn't drop. Other people moved up. But it only tends to happen to kind of like one of the major powers. <laughs> that's the only one it tends to happen to. You know, we're like the only guys that rise up in the rankings for Notre Dame are the guys that are considered flip candidates. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's just like, notice J- Jeremiah Love's vault up the ranking stopped once he committed Notre Dame. <laughs> Even though dominant. his best film
2: was at the end of the season. Oh my season. gosh, <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like, he just like got to the playoffs and was like, okay, it's time for me to actually show y'all what I can do now. It just, Bryant, I, can't, against, I can't.
2: Against a dominant team in the yeah. in the Champions League Summit North who has dudes everywhere and he's like you know what? i'm gonna go for five tutties today in, an, in yes. a state championship game like it doesn't yes. make sense man can i say this though it, yeah, it doesn't course. even it doesn't even stop with michael mayer with the award stuff though it doesn't i mentioned this already they had trevadius hodges tomlinson from tcu as the jim thorpe winner over clark phillips what, I just, what are we doing, man? What are we doing? It wasn't even close. It wasn't even close. And people were all getting upset about the Marvin Harrison Jr. thing. I was okay with that one. Jalen Hyatt had a fantastic year. So sure. I was okay with that one. But some of these men were just awful.
1: Just so disrespectful. Well, and Jalen Hyatt had to do that too without his sort of partner in crime for half the year. You know, I mean, whereas with all due respect to to Marvin Harrison, is was phenomenal. I mean, it helps when you've got Emeka Egbuka taking some of the pressure off of you. You know, and and you're doing it against a, a Big Ten conference that kind of lacks a lot of talent. And the other thing, too, is, I mean, Jalen Hyatt had more more yards, more touchdowns, and he did it in five fewer catches. Emeka had 66 catches for 1,039 yards and nine touchdowns. You know, like the next best leading receiver at Tennessee was 48 for 690. It was Brew McCoy, you know. And so, um, look, Marvin Harrison was really good. And I would have had no issue if Marvin would have won it. None. I would not be advocating for, oh, it should have been Jalen Hyde. I just said they're both deserving. Yeah. Right. But like, with all due respect, th- there was a clear gap, in my opinion, a clear gap in, in the ability of, or the production, the talent, the the impact of a Michael Mayer, especially when the number one thing they talk about is blocking. <laughs> I mean, it's not even
2: close. And all due respect to Brock Bowers, but you're not putting him in the block. That's no. not what he's asked to do. No. Yeah. Yeah.
1: No, he's not. He's not. And so that's kind of the thing for me is just some of these are just like you're it's it's gone back to sort of like it's the best guy on the best teams or whatever in a lot of instances, mm-hmm. not just the best player. Like I don't care if your team was three and nine. If you're the best receiver in the country, you're the best receiver in the country. If you're the best D lineman in the country, you're the best D lineman in the country. But you know, it's it's an what was where was the award show aired on last night? What what network? ESPN. Okay,
2: there you go. I thought I thought you were just doing a. Uh, didn't know if you needed an answer on that one. Oh, anything.
1: I wanted an answer. It was a rhetorical <laughs> question, but I wanted an answer. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Oh, you know, it just it's that hard to take wild, seriously anymore. That it was really wild, is. Though
2: it was yeah. really wild. Because like every other one, I'm just like, okay, Bichon, the a the Doak Walker. I'm like, cool, that's fine. Like right. you could argue it was maybe Blake Corum, like whatever, that's right. fine. Marvin Harrison, Jalen Hyatt, I would be fine either way, but I'm just like Michael Mayer didn't get the 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 the,
1: he didn't and then the the Football Writers Mm -hmm. Association of America had Brock Bowers as the number one the first team tight end this year. I saw that. I told you you that was going to happen. That's why I. (laughs) It's just a joke. It really is. It and it's sad because it impacts people, right? Mm -hmm. Like you put on all this work, you've earned something. Not that you deserve it. You've earned it. He didn't deserve the Mackey. He earned the Mackey. Mm-hmm. You know, Clark Phillips didn't deserve he earned it. And he did so on a defense that really didn't give him a lot of help a lot of times. No. Nah. You know, and so um, yeah, it it's frustrating. It's like some it's like Drake Bowen's ranking. Like Rivals has a guy that puts out this should Drake Bowen be a five star or not before they're in veil, and then they drop him. You knew you were gonna drop him. Like what it's all about clickbait yes yeah yeah, yeah. it's like i can't take y'all seriously anymore because it's so obvious that you guys are just either doing things for clicks or talking out of your butts or just biased or just bad at your job or some combination of those things and And it's not just—I mean, it's not just Notre Dame kids, but it seems to affect Notre Dame kids. Because I would point out, like, well, this kid dropped, and this school did this. But it's getting to the point now where it's like every time Georgia gets a commitment, the next time that kid's ranked, he skyrockets up the rankings. Same thing for Alabama, skyrockets. And I'd say Ohio State deals with a little bit of that too. In the last couple years, I feel like they've kind of some kids that have committed Ohio State. They then knock back a little bit Mm -hmm. and they take Mm -hmm. some of the shine off of it. You know, where they'll boost a kid that goes to, you know, Alabama, Georgia, some others. And it's just like, okay, you Uh, you guys are now playing to the fan bases, not actually.
2: Brian, we never talked about this one, but uh, how about Stetson Bennett being a Heisman
1: finalist? I love the thing where where Lamar Jackson won the Heisman Trophy in 2016. Stetson Bennett is a finalist in 2022. They're the same age right now. It's
2: wild, man. And, and Lamar, Lamar's about to get his second contract at the end of thank you.
1: <laughs> I saw that too, man. I'm so it's funny.
2: Like, come on, man. I retweeted, I was just like, I love college football. <sighs> oh, Lord
1: well, and then like, oh well, you know, Stetson outplayed Hendon Hooker. I hate that. I hate that analysis because one guy played on a significantly better team than the other one that day. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, so it's like, okay, whatever. Yep. Yeah. And, it's, and, it's and it
2: and deserved to be on there, man. He just yeah. deserved
1: it. He did. I, somebody just said this. At least they get that Dylan Edward Gibbons Warfel Award correct. If That's they true. would, that would have been the biggest travesty of all of them. Yeah. If Dylan yeah. Gibbons didn't get that award, that'd have been the biggest travesty of all of them. Because mm-hmm. what that kid has done with his fame and his name, image, and likeness—you talk about a kid that truly understands what name, image, and likeness is all about, and how you can use it to not just better yourself, but to better de- to better those the world around you that kid gets it mm-hmm. so props to him props to him absolutely no doubt so it's just it's to the point now where i'm not even like it's hard to even get mad it's just embarrassing and it's sad because it's an industry that we're a part of that i that that, that i always thought did a great service that's just be kind of come like we were talking to buddy last night you're like i don't know why i'm surprised that espn is what it is their name is entertainment and what is it? Entertainment sports and production network. Yeah, it's yeah. always it was always designed to just be a network that carried games. They tried to then dabble into sports. But at the root of it is they they're about producing games and drawing as many eyes to their games. And so every other arm of what they do is geared towards creating talk about the games they're going to do. Mm hmm. And that's just the reality of it. sad reality of it. It's just yeah. you can't take them seriously anymore. N- news in our country, sports and political has just become a soap opera. It's not even real anymore. It's just a soap opera now, and it's mm-hmm. uh, sad, but it's why we do what we do. So anyway i, I am I am very curious to see if this happens someday. I am very curious to see if some kid someday, some lawyer someday, I promise you this is going to happen is going to sue one of these recruiting services for dropping a kid's rankings for no reason because they're going to say his ranking impacts his name, image, and likeness value. Oh, yeah. And your decision to drop him for whatever reason, you know what I mean? Now, he may not have a leg to stand on legally, but it doesn't mean that they're not going to sue and then still just try to get a settlement out of it. Watch. I'm telling you it's going to happen. Well, Brian,
2: what, what even, I mean, think about it, like the, um, you know, the on three thing that shows the, the NIL, like whatever it is, like their worth type of yes. thing. I mean, how do they not get in trouble for that? If I right. was a player that was trying to negotiate a deal or something, and then the, the company uses that as a baseline, I'd be like, uh, no, they don't, they don't determine that. I determine right. that. Right. Like right. that, That's not how that works. But right. yeah.
1: Yep it's going to be interesting when that day comes because I do believe that day is going to come. This is a strangest, oddest question we've ever gotten, Ryan. Uh, Iris to the moon. Uh, given the opportunity, would you go to the moon? So, I yes, because my weight's getting
2: a little heavy, so I would like to be a little lighter, and you're lighter on the moon. So there you go. I'm going
1: to say no. I don't like flying. I don't like heights. I think leaving this atmosphere might be something I would not be too late too. Sorry uh, about. You
2: wouldn't even feel it, man. It'd be like being on a roller coaster and then you're
1: just floating. It'd be great. I grew up. I was I think, eight years old
2: mm-hmm.
1: and um, I think eight years old. I think it was 86. Somebody correct me if I'm wrong here, but I was I was a kid. I was young and uh, I wanted to be an astronaut. And there growing up in Lima, there's the Neil Armstrong was from like right down the street where I'm from, from Walpock, a team that I grew up playing in his uh, his uh, museum, at least was in Walpock, Walpock, mm-hmm. And so we would always go there for, you know, just I loved going there and I, you know, doing the thing where, you know, they put the stars up on that, the 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 dome up in the top and, all, and I wanted to be an astronaut.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: I had uh, they had this uh, this uh, space shuttle, the Challenger was going to launch and they were going to take a teacher up there and we were going to sit there and like let her teach a lesson and all this kind of, it's going to be really cool. And I had the picture of those astronauts on my desk and I thought I just want to be an astronaut. And then I watched it explode and it really shook me. I mean, it just to the point where I was like, you know, that's just not, um, that's just not something that you just kind of, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I I don't know if that's really something I'd want to do, so anytime you ever think about the idea of like, you know, because, you know, now Elon Musk, Elon Musk has taken people to space and all this other kind of stuff. And it's just like, no, I'm good. I'm good it's, right it's, here.
2: It's it's like, a I forget what the number was, but I think it's like a million dollars for like six minutes or something mm-hmm. like that. Because he takes you into space, Brian, but like he takes you in and then back out real quick.
1: Right. You know, it's not like an actual experience. Right. It's like a giant, the world's biggest Non-attached roller coaster. <laughs> it really is you know what, what it mean? is, like,
2: man. It really is, though. That's good. Yeah. I mean, it's a it, it's a good quantifier. Like, that's exactly what yeah. it is. You
1: go yeah. up and you go down, and it costs a lot of money. So at least Elon Musk yeah. owns Twitter now. So we're all in yeah. good hands. There you go. it's better now than it was. All right. Brian Hockney, mailbag comp uh, comp comp I see for Ben Minich as a similar athlete as Harrison Smith. Do you have a comp for him? Well, I don't see that, Brian. I think Harrison was a more powerful athlete than Ben he's like was. Six
2: two, yeah, yeah,
1: much bigger body type. Athletically, I think Benjamin's more Ben is more smooth. Harrison was mm-hmm. more twitching, explosive. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have a better comp for him? I, you know, as I'm kind of thinking through the different safeties that Notre Dame has had. I mean, I, you know, I think he's. Part of me wants to be like Jalen Elliott. Is one that really comes to mind um you know that's that's a similar body type you know similar Mm -hmm. athleticism at the high school level you know Mm Jalen was a quarterback in a a corner his senior year trying to think some Notre Dame guys that he would remind me a lot of honestly um
2: I really don't have a good one for him I don't have a good one
1: yeah I mean yeah I I just think he's a really smooth athlete um Mm -hmm. you know I just Trying to think of some smooth, straight because he's speed. really fluid, and a lot of the safeties yeah. they've had haven't been that way. Sure. You know, you know he, you know who he probably reminds me the most of athletically. It's probably Elohi mm-hmm. Gilman, more quick, twi- okay. more quick than fast, real fluid. He's taller than Elohi was, but Elohi wasn't real fast. Elohi was really moved quickly. You know, easy mm-hmm. change of direction, could get downhill quickly. Really, really instinctive, really high I- high football IQ, and I think that's who Ben reminds me the most. I was probably a Gilman, and that's a it's quite a comp. Yes, yeah, because Lohie yes. was a really good football player, really yeah, good football he's cool. player. He's a really good player. Yep. Uh, Mark Avalone says, uh, "Do you see the transfer portal nil pushing more coaches to the NFL or out of coaching than before?" Absolutely. If they don't, <laughs> if they don't get this, you know, if they don't get this under wraps, it's like you're going to love coaching at about ten schools, and outside of that, <laughs> say. it's going to suck. You might-
2: can you imagine being a mid-tier school right now, where you're just like, man, I have no chance. Like, a, like a mid-tier yeah. SEC school or a mid-tier well, like big-time like, school, like, like Clarkley
1: and Vanderbilt. They, yeah, they, you know, it, the, the coach before them, they, they get, they spend the last two years developing this Mike Wright kid at quarterback, mm-hmm. and then bam, he jumps in the portal.
2: Yep. Like okay, what are you supposed to do there? Like, they're, they're leading. They're leading rusher Raymond Davis just entered the portal too, and he ran for a thousand yards for the team this year. It's just like, yeah. oh man. Like, you're, you're trying to
1: build this team up. You go from like what? One in 11, two and 10 to five and seven. You're one win away from mm-hmm. making a bowl game and then mm-hmm. bam, your best players leave because they can get more money somewhere else. Like that's, that's really what this is supposed to be about. Okay. Like really, that's lo- the lesson they, we're teaching.
2: They were, a, they were very improved this year too. That's a good example is Vanderbilt. Yeah. Cause I mean, they, they took big strides this year. They were a lot they're better. They're probably they going to go back been. down. Yeah,
1: yeah, probably probably going to go back down.
2: That's a good point. So Ugh.
1: Yeah. It's frustrating. We have another super chat down here from Thangak. Thank you for the super chat very much. Today is my one year anniversary with IB looking forward to another great year of message board Intel and unrivaled analysis. I appreciate nice. that very much. And we're glad to have you on board. You know, Ryan and I were talking last night, you know, we're actually on a, we're, we're on a, a further along page. We're on a better pace page views wise uh, on the website than we were last year, this first week and a half of, the december which is wild when you consider what was happening last december in the first week with kelly having left just before december all the articles we wrote about that and freeman gets hired you know like our site has taken off really since then and it's been a great ride and of course that's when our website really launched and it's been fun to see it grow it really has it really has and people like you that jumped on board a year ago there's a lot of people on this channel that are like, yeah, I found you guys when Kelly left. I have heard that story so many times. And we're glad. We're glad that we were be able to be your, your landing spot when, that, when all that happened. So thank you for that very much. David Lowe, Brian, did y'all have an, any idea Edwards was decommitting? It was a complete surprise for the expert. We did not know he was going to decommit. We were under the impression he had said he was going to stick. What we knew of is that there had been a lot of NIL conversation with him and his family. Mm-hmm. And we had been told, you know, there were some, I almost don't want, should I say it Ryan? Cause I, what we, what we talked about last night, I'll just, I'll just say this. Cause I don't want this to come across as sour grapes. Sure. There are some warning signs that we were told about when he flipped to Notre Dame in the first place. Yeah, that came from how he handled certain things at K-State and sort of how he conducted himself as a senior and some things that probably we should have paid a little bit more attention to. uh, Uh, We thought that was sour grapes. Right, exactly. exactly. And what was being told to the staff was a little different. Um, There was enough smoke that they weren't completely caught off guard, but they told Notre Dame in person, I was told, when they had the in-home the other night, that everything was good, and then... 24 hours later, he's flipped and not even not even going to consider like he not only wasn't going to he wasn't going to he said he wasn't going to consider them anymore. Part of that was is when he decommitted Notre Dame was just kind of like, whatever, like, dude, this is ridiculous. Like, why would you want to fight to keep that kid in the class at this point in time? Yeah. You know, like two weeks before signing day, really? Come on, man. Actually, yeah. So, um, no, well, we, we did just, not. It, it caught us by surprise that he did decommit based on what we, what he had been saying. But it wasn't one where we're like, "What? Yeah, wow."
2: It it, it, it also um, it also took some recruits off guard to some commits, which right. is yeah, yeah, just very because he wasn't so, he was telling just,
1: people one thing and then did another, right? Exactly
2: exactly but
1: i think the way you put it is off guard is a better way of putting it because again i don't mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't say that i was surprised that he did it but i wasn't expecting mm-hmm. it surprise being more of a gut thing there was no intel that he was going to decommit that we got if that right. makes sense does that make sense so i'm not i'm not trying to it make it seem like oh no no we really knew he was going to do no we didn't we didn't know he was going to do this
2: no there was, some, but, there was some also, smoke, but we didn't know it was going to happen so
1: yeah. yeah i wasn't surprised that surprised that it would have happened like if you told me yeah. like tomorrow like i don't even want to say it because then the people who oh, have driscoll said but like there's kids in this class if they became de- i was like no way Mm-mm, don't believe you <laughs> like like I, I think somebody hacked his like, account yeah, yeah right. somebody <laughs> hacked his account there's no way there's no way sam pendleton's going to <laughs> nc state you know what i mean like right, right, somebody hacked right. his account somebody's somebody's pranking them it's not real it's not happening mm-hmm.
2: it's it's like um it's like remember when the braylon james tcu stuff happened a few oh weeks ago gosh. like that's
1: what it would be like okay the responses right. we got when we were doing digging into that was freaking hilarious yeah it was yeah <laughs> yep, hilarious jeff Fluke says can you guys do a recruiting class breakdown of the top 10 classes of course after signing day we are going to do that jeff but it's going to be on the cfb nation channel uh so we'll do it on that one not on irish breakdown um, facilitate, inform. wise is Foskey going to see, Reese's Senior Bowl after just opting out of Notre Dame's bowl game? What does he have left to prove? Well, he has a lot left to prove, just not necessarily anything to prove in a Notre Dame uniform, Ryan. Yeah. It's a different well, event type of event.
2: I mean, Brian, like I was on full, like I was on, I was completely transparent with my opinion that I thought Isaiah Fosky could rise to being a top ten to fifteen pick if he took massive steps forward. Right? Like I think he's mm-hmm. that talented. He didn't take those steps, if we're being honest with ourselves, right? Was he still a really good player? For sure, no doubt. But the nuance of the game is still a question mark with him. So you want to go to the senior bowl to show that you're working on your game because the thing that they're going to be watching most in Mobile, Alabama is the one-on-ones against offensive linemen. And if he shows a little pass rush repertoire, a little hand usage, a little counter moves, like if he does all that stuff, he has a lot to gain right now. Because I I would say this, and I know some people – pushed back on me on our, on the show last night, Brian, when I said this, I think it's much more likely that he goes day two than he is a first-round pick right this second. Right. But if he goes to Mobile and has a great day and then he tests well, then maybe we're talking about being in the first-round yeah. conversation again. So he right. has a lot to gain, in my opinion.
1: The the senior bowl can move. I mean, we've seen it. I mean, Zach Martin Every got year. drafted where he did because of the senior bowl. Absolutely. Now, I'm not saying he would have been a third-round pick, but like he went 16 because he dominated the entire week at the senior bowl.
2: Eric Fisher, right. a few years ago out of Central Michigan, went first overall. He was a second-round pick going into that event. Yeah. Last year, Cole Strange, the offensive guard out of Chattanooga, was probably a third-round pick. He comes out and he gets drafted in the first round by the New England Patriots because he
1: dominated the Senior Bowl. Right. Happens And every then that kid from uh, the D3 kid a couple years ago.
0: Oh, Quinn the, Miners. The, the Bron- yeah, the Broncos yep.
1: drafted. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, there's a yeah. lot you can prove there that that beating the beating a South Carolina offensive line that's okay, but you know not a bunch of guys you're about to draft. It's a chance for me to watch people that are on my board that are going against each other and see them up close and personal, interview them, and all those type of things. And and I think those are all that's all part of it. And then you yeah. get to see a kid up close and personal, up close in person. That's part of it as well. Talk to him,
2: body type him, yep. all that good stuff. Yep. Yep.
1: Re- Berkshire Yank, realistically, how long does it take for a quarterback to learn the offense? I get it's not ideal to start a true freshman, but what if he enrolls early and goes through spring practice? Honestly, that depends on the kid. Mm -hmm. I mean, look, some kids can come pick it up right away. Others, it takes him a a year. Others, it takes two years. Some never figure it out. It just depends on the kid and -hmm. how much opportunity you can get him. I think here we're referring to Kenny Minchie. I think that, and the other thing too is, is what's your experience level? For example, if they bring in a transfer kid, that's three-year starter, he's going to pick up the Notre Dame offense a whole lot faster than a kid who's coming from a high school because he's already speaking a, that language, so to speak. Now it's just got to get tailored to what Notre Dame specific terminology is. He's mm-hmm. not having to expand his mind per se, where a high school kid's going to have to expand his mind and learn the techniques got to come and the, everything's new to him where, a transfer kid's like, yeah, I know how to do all this. I'm good, man. Especially if it's a grad transfer kid, because then he's not really taking the classes that you, you know, that he's not getting used to college. He doesn't have to take as many classes. All of that stuff is different. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but, you know, it just, it honestly depends on the kid. And that's a bit of a cop out, but I mean, usually it, it, it really does. And it's even true. if a, a freshman shows enough aptitude to play as a freshman, you're still not giving him the full scope of your offense. I mean, you go look at what mm-hmm. Clemson did in 2018 they did not have a really deep playbook for uh, Trevor Lawrence the way they did for in 2016 for Deshaun Watson. Sure. You know, there just was less on his shoulders. They took a lot of the running stuff out, even though Trevor can run, which he showed two years, you know, the next two years, they didn't have him do a lot of that as a true freshman. When he ran, it was a scramble, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's part of it too, is, you know, you're really not going to pick up the whole thing. A freshman at Notre Dame, for for example, would just have to be so much more physically better than everybody else that they kind of have to say hey, it's worth it to lower, you know, limit what we're doing volume-wise because this kid's just too good of a player. For sure. So, or there's an injury that forces that. Yep. Matt McCarthy says, Brian, uh, what's the what's the boundary lines for New Jersey for being fans of the teams in different sports, baseball, Mets, Yankees, Phillies, football, Jets, um, Giants. Is that who that is? I would imagine. And then the Eagles and then basketball, the Knicks, the Nets and the Sixers. And then hockey, the Devils, the Rangers. uh You got the Flyers and the Islanders. Are the Islanders still a team? I didn't even know that. Islanders um, are still
2: a team. Yep. Okay. The Islanders. Uh,
1: shows you how much I follow hockey. So Ryan, what, uh, what say you on that Mr. New Jersey? I don't think there's an exact
2: line, Matt. I would say this. I think I would consider anything, Trenton and above to be North Jersey, in my opinion. There's no Central Jersey. Can we start with that? There's no Central Jersey. It's North or your South. That's just it, all right? So I would say Trenton and down would be South, and then parts of Trenton and up would be the North Jersey side of everything, right? It's just more about who you identify with. Like, I identify more with Philly than I do with New York. Like, I I live in a more secluded area. You know, there's a lot more farmlands in the South Jersey area than there are up North. The North is more – I. I industrialized than where I live in the Southern part of New Jersey. So I'd say Trenton and down is, is New Jersey. And yeah, they associate obviously with cheese steaks and pork roll and not Taylor ham and whatever the heck else they do in, in North Jersey. So
1: there you go. What do you, Brian, All what right. do you call
2: it? Is it pork roll or Taylor ham?
1: I don't know what either one of those things are. Oh, you don't. It's a breakfast meal. Yeah. Okay. How about a, uh, I would like, a, I would like to, I would also like to let you know that a good friend of ours from New Jersey Mm-hmm. OK, you know, what I'm talking about yeah. just said, Ryan, he disagrees with you. They live in Jackson, okay. which is, in fact, in Central Jersey. So no, I'm just stop. I'm just telling Jackson. you, I'm just you're telling you, Jer-
2: you're a Southern Jersey you, guy. You can man. call
1: him after the show and you guys can hammer it out. Oh, I, will. Um, I don't know I will. what any of those things you just said are. I don't I don't know. like those. How about, that How about this,
2: Brian? How about this, Brian? If you went to a subway or something like that, what what type of sandwich would you get from there? A sub? Are you talking like oh, sub versus hoagie? Is that what yeah, you're saying, it's a basically? Hoagie, man, it's a yeah, hoagie. No, it's not. Yes, it's a
1: hoagie. No. A hoagie is a is a to me a specific type of bread and a specific type of shape of a sandwich. So yes, it is different. Huh. It's different. Yeah. Huh. So uh, disagree. Uh, Jackson is also a. It's
2: it's a part of South Jersey. We'll we'll claim you, sir.
1: We'll claim you. Okay. <laughs> he said, "Wawa all the way" is the last message he wanted me to send to you. Wawa's good. So, Wawa's in South Jersey yeah. too. Yeah, so Wawa's good. in in Virginia. So that's yeah, yeah, all. Up, that's all up and down. Wawa Coast, has man. my favorite candy bar. It's not really candy bar. They're uh, called. Um, I can't remember what they're called, but. Um, but they're just like these little there's like eight of them in a pack and they're like these little things like this size and they come like one's almond one's dark chocolate one's regular chocolate. i can't believe i'm forgetting uh-huh. the name but they're like my favorite things and i've only ever seen them at wawas so yeah they're really 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 good in my opinion so somebody asked what's the difference between a sub and a grinder no clue what, what is a grinder
0: no is that no a sandwich idea.
1: There was a question from Brian Hockney that that I accidentally deleted. Uh, I was trying to star it, but I actually took it out of the star thing. I was going to pull it up, and I just took it out of the star thing. But the question was basically, does Notre Dame have a shot with uh, Deshaun McCullough, which we answered that question. But then he said, does he have no shot because he's an undergrad? So basically, the way it works in Notre Dame right now is graduate or freshman. Are their two best bets? Mm
0: -hmm. Because
1: a freshman still just took nothing but gen eds. You can make up for that a lot easier Because if a kid's graduating in three years right now, then if he Mm -hmm. transfers and you don't take any of his freshman classes, he's still on pace to graduate in three years. It'd be his fourth year of college, but he could still graduate and get caught up. You can't do that with a junior. A sophomore is a little too far in. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's better for Notre Dame right now if you're a freshman or a graduate, which is a little nuts, but it needs to change. But that's the reality of it. So uh, Trucker Joe says uh, Ryan has, this is in response when you said he's a good coordinator, has Golden shown. to be a good D coordinator. Yes, he has. What he has too. not shown that he's a really good D coordinator. I mean, look, 100%. you don't have the defense. Don't even have this year. If he's bad. See, this is, this, this is my issue that I have a little bit here, not necessarily with trucker Joe, because he may have a different view on this, but it, in general, I find that far too often when mm-hmm. we're evaluating, it's either one or the other, you're either great yeah. or you suck. Yes, And there's no like, well, he's just good. He's good. Uh-huh. He's not bad. Uh-huh. Well, okay, but that's not as good as what – but but they weren't good. They were really good. Marcus Freeman was really good. Clark Lee was really good. Mike Elko was really good. He's just good. There's a difference. One's better. But it doesn't yep. make him bad. Did he have a couple bad games? Yeah. But for the mm-hmm. most part, they were good. He was good. He wasn't great. He needs to be a lot better. But we, we've got to be able to, like, have more – precision in our conversation. Sometimes not everything is great. Not everything is elite. Not everything is bad. It's like the, there, there's a lot of in between in these conversations. So to your point, Joe, when we say good, it's not necessarily a high praise for him no. because no. the expectation is you need to be better than Excellent. good. Yeah. Right. Super, superb. And, and, and so, right. Yeah. So he's yeah. a, he's a good defensive coordinator He's not a great defensive coordinator or even a really good defensive coordinator. I think that's where Notrey needs to be. So to your point, Joe, I think I understand Joe's immediate pushback to saying he's mm-hmm. good, but just understand the nuance that goes with us saying he's good. If, if, you know, if it's, oh, it's a really good defensive coordinator that, that'd be like, big hold on now. Let's, let's pump the brakes a little bit, but saying he's good is fair. He was good, mm-hmm. but he needs to be better. He needs to be very good. You don't win a championship with just a good defensive coordinator unless you're a team that's you know scoring like LSU did. But even that year, they had a great defensive coordinator. It's just the they offense did. scored so dang fast that they were on the field a lot as a defensive team. And so they gave up you know 23, 24 points a game, even though Dave Randis' defense was actually pretty decent that year. It's just they were on the field a lot. So he needs to be better, in my opinion, a lot better. But he hasn't been bad either. And so there's a happy, happy medium. We'll wrap up with these last couple. Um, do you have time for a couple more, Ryan, or do you need to run right now? I can do one and more if, you, if it's okay. Because I wanted to do this one. I wanted to get this one okay. from John A1, and then I can handle the rest of them. Um, yep. This is the one. So I'll let you answer it, Ryan, and then I'll you can bail after you're done because you, he's okay. got to go – he's got to run real quick. but uh, um, And then I'll follow up afterwards. So John A1 says, do you think no name changes the Viper role based on the roster? Most of the guys that can play in that spot are long, athletic linebackers with good speed rush ability. So, kind of thinking like four, three, five, three, three, five, or more of a true stand-up viper that you yes. see from some other teams.
2: I mean, John, will they? I, I'm not sure about that. My opinion, though, and I've talked about this a ton, is that I think that the way the the way college football and the NFL are going, that eventually you want that position, the defensive end position, just in general, to be a little bit more interchangeable. Right There's always going to be principles that you would like to have from both sides, but I truly believe that the future of the defensive end position on both of those levels, the major levels, college football and the NFL, is that you're going to have defensive ends that are much more versatile alignment-wise, guys that can fit both roles. So I think that's where you need to go next year at not Notre Dame because you're going to have Riley Mills back unless you move Riley Mills inside. But Mm -hmm. I mean, Riley Mills is not going to be a guy that's going to be interchangeable to playing Viper for instance. Right. But as the game develops, I do think that in a couple of years, we're going to be in a spot, not just from a Notre Dame perspective, but from a full encompassing perspective where defenses are going to be more interchangeable because there's going to be offenses that are just going to keep up in the tempo are going to keep getting different personnel groups that are going to force guys to be uncomfortable in space so I think that there's gonna be an interchangeability that kind of
1: moves forward, in my opinion. And when that happens, Ryan, that's when Notre Dame's mm-hmm. offense becomes truly dominant because once yes. that I agree with you, once that full integration happens, that's mm-hmm. when a team that's willing to come up and punch you in the face for 60 minutes becomes an unstoppable force because you do not have the personnel on your team to stop it. And that's where it it's becomes a cyclical, cyclical. aspect that's of it. That's where it 100%. comes back. Yep. That's, that's why where... what Jim Harbaugh did was so good when he first moved to Stanford.
2: Yes, It's because it was
1: so different than what you were recruiting to stop USC and Oregon and all these, and you can't stop them and stop Stanford with what they did. You can't do both, and that's Absolutely. the cyclical part of it. So um, yep. if, so, for me, if you got to run, you got to run. But if you want to stay and listen to my, my answer, then you can stay and listen to my answer as well. Uh, but for me, Ryan, I do think that Notre Dame can get the personnel to get there. I don't know if they're necessarily there now as a one-gapping team, but I do think that there's going to be some merit when you look at what the schedule looks like moving forward, that where having three bigs, you know, a Riley Mills and a Howard Cross as your five techniques, four eyes, and then having sort of a a Gabriel Rubio as your nose, or hopefully you maybe someday getting a little bit bigger guy there, or a or a disruptive six five two ninety Devin Houston. Is is kind of where you're gonna see it where you know maybe you have Devin Houston as your nose or Brendan Vernon as your nose and then Devin Houston and Bubakar as your as your ends. And then you've got more of a Josh Burnham hybrid linebacker type of guy that you can stack in a 3-3, that you can line up in a four down, where in one snap you're an under front or an overfront. The next snap you're in an odd front with stacked linebackers with the same personnel. I think that's to your point, Ryan, is that allows you to then match up with USC. One week out of that same look, but then the next week you're playing against a team that runs the football. And it, you know, how state tries to run it down your throat the second half, and you're fine because you've got that already built into what you do. I think there's merit to that, and I think that's you know, Utah did that. That's what Utah did. They were a 3 3 team that had that edge guy that could gay breed type guy that could just walk up and rush, but then drop into coverage. You just need more, a little bit more beef than what Notre Dame has right now at that nose. I don't think you can do that and be a pure two-gapping team or one-gapping team out of that look. You're going to need a guy that can two-gap over the nose, and I don't know if Notre Dame has that guy right now. Maybe Gabriel Rubio becomes that guy, but I here's what I would say, Ryan, as simple as this. I'll let you run after this. Al Washington and then whoever my next defensive line coach is, you have, you have a, you've got a job to do, but here's part of your job. If you don't get me one West Coast Samoan kid in every class, you're fired right? Like those kids are so perfect. they a lot of them are have very strong faith, right? So you know, even though the Catholic aspect in their name is, they're not Catholic, they're either Mormon or Christian, but there's still the attractiveness to the lifestyle. That's why Manti came here. It's why Kona came here. It's why a lot of those kids came here and thrived that you have the connection there. But I would say, go get me one of those kids that right now is going to Utah or BYU or UCLA or Washington, get me one of those a year to play on my D-line. I, you, that's your job. That's you, you got to do it. Cause I think that's the missing piece is that kind of player. You know what I mean? And I think the reason I, I talk about the, the Polynesian kids is because I think they fit so well to what makes Notre Dame unique as an institution, not just as a football team. Cause we've seen them thrive. I mean, Alohi, Manti, Kona Schwenke, you know, Alo Gilman, Myron Tongvalo. most of those kids thrive here because a, a lot of them are disciplined, hard workers, men of faith, uh, good students. They just, I think they fit here. And so I would love to see that. Recruit California, Utah, Hawaii, wherever you got to find them, you know, and they fit because you're not going to be able, there's a lot of kids like that that aren't Polynesian kids in the Southeast and the Northeast. But those kids don't fit as well into Notre Dame. They're harder to get out of those regions than it is to get those kids to come their Notre Dame, in my opinion. Some people may not like that. I don't care. I think that's what I would do. So, and Ryan, I do know you agree with that because we talked about it the other day. All right. So next question here from Ben Tarnowski is uh, here about uh, Deion Sanders. This is an it creates an interesting conversation, in my opinion. He says, uh, "What is it about Prime Deion Sanders that is so attractive to recruits and transfers? I know the Jackson State was good under him, but it, uh, is that a product of poor competition? Is he a good coach? Is it because he, it's new? You know." I mean, obviously, we can't dismiss the personality, right? Like, Deion Sanders is a Hall of Famer. I mean, these kids grew up watching his commercials. You know, they they know about him as a player. Most of them are probably too young to remember him as a player, but they know of him as a player. Their dads certainly knew about him as a player. Uh, You know, to me, I I just kind of look at it and I say, that's part of it. You know, he's got a lot of flair. He's got a lot of pizzazz. He's got a lot of personality, all that other kind of stuff that you just can't dismiss. And, you know, that's going to be part of it, right? I think the other part of it is the, the, like, I've heard people say this a lot, right? Like, well, they didn't play anybody. Let me tell you what Jackson State, I, I haven't watched enough Jackson State to know that he's a good coach or not. I haven't. But let me, let me tell you what Jackson State's record was in the years leading up to Deion Sanders getting there, okay? So in 2014, they went th- five and seven they went 3 and 8 the next year, 3 and 8 the next year, 3 and 8 the next year, 5 and 5 the next year and then 4 and 8 the year before he was hired. His first year was the COVID year, they went 4 and 3. And and one of their wins was a forfeit, so they really went 3 and 3. In the next two years, they went 11 and 2. One of their losses was a 5-point loss to a division an FBS team, and a lot of their games were not some of their games were close, but a lot of them were not close. And then this year, and they lost in the Celebration Bowl to South Carolina State. And then this year they're 12 and 0. And and so, you know, they didn't they didn't play anybody that necessarily was very good, but they crushed people. And you're talking about a team that was going like 3 and 8 and 4 and 4 and 7 every year before he got there. So, you can't say, well, the schedule's soft because the schedule had been soft for a while at Jackson State and they still weren't winning. So, I don't think we can just dismiss him as a coach because of the other antics and stuff that that isn't typical of a coach I don't particularly like it but he's being who he is number one and you you always want people to be who they are and number two you can't argue with the results in my opinion now is he prepared to transition from that FCS level to Colorado That's a bigger question, you know, so like one of the comebacks would be, well, Jim Trestle made that move, but Jim Trestle had been a head coach at the FCS level for a very long time and had kind of gone through a lot of the things that it takes to to be a head coach, the things that you only learn from being a head coach. I mean, I'm looking at it here. He was at 11. He was at Youngstown State for 15 years before he made that move uh, to Ohio State from the FCS level. He had won one, two, three, four national championships before he made that move. Deion Sanders has been a coach for basically two and a half years. They had the spring season in 2020, and then they had the last two years. So there's a lot that he's going to have to learn on the fly. So there may be an adjustment period there, just like there was an adjustment period for for Marcus Freeman this year and and Dan Lanning in some areas and Brent Venables in some areas, guys who didn't have a lot of coaching experience. But I don't think we can just dismiss the success. Now – is he going to be able to have the talent gap that he had because of the transfers and the high school kids he was able to get? I don't know. I don't think so. But I don't think we can just dismiss the success he had because here's the reality of it. The success is a big part of what's working for him. If Deion Sanders went 4-3, and 7-5, and 6-6 six and six the last three years at Jackson State, then he doesn't have the attraction now. It's just like, well, you're just giving him that job because he's prime. Well, now you can say, well, yeah, you're giving him the job now because he's prime. But you're also giving it to him because his team is 23-2 and two the last two years. It's worked. Whatever he's doing has worked. Will it work at the FCS level? I don't know. I really don't know. But I understand it, and I understand why kids are attracted to it. You know, I, I, I think that is – I get that. I get that. So kids are going to – Some some kids are going to flock to that. Some aren't. It's like with every coach, some kids are going to love Marcus Freeman. Some just like, Oh, he's a nice guy, but it just doesn't work for me. That's just the reality of it. But you know, here's the reality though. He's going to have about a two year, the two year window to get this thing turned around before it stops really like, okay. It's like, it's like with anything. Yeah. It's all cute and fun until like, you know, what's that scene? Do you remember the scene from major league two? Where at the beginning, Jack Parkman's the new catcher for the Indians, and he does that little shake, and uh, Bob Euchre's character Harry Doyle says uh, he's doing that shake that all the ladies in Cleveland love. Right. Well, then later he's with the White Sox, and he does that little thing, and he's like, he's like, you know, that's the shake that you know all the women in Cleveland puke. Right. It's like something's cute when, and something's fun, or something you like it when. It's working and you're winning. And then when you do it, when you're losing, it's, oh, he's got a crap attitude. He doesn't take it seriously. He doesn't respect the whatever. It, you you got to win, And that stuff doesn't matter. It's like being hard on players. Uh, kids will deal with it if you're winning. You know, there's a reason why Jim Harbaugh got ran out of San Francisco the minute they started losing because you don't deal with that if they're losing. And so I think that's those are things that factor into it. He'll, he'll get a little period of grace. But he's going to, to start winning soon. And if he wins, then kids are going to, you know, more kids are going to want to go there. I don't think it's ever going to be a you know, destination like a USC, a Notre Dame, a, a Florida, Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State type of situation. But he'll he'll win there. He'll win there. So that that's uh, it's kind of where it'll be. Somebody said, when are the next CFB Nation updates coming out? Well, we've had multiple shows this week. We're just not putting them on the YouTube channel just yet. We're going to get back to that here soon. But they are coming out on the uh, podcast app. So definitely make sure you're subscribing to that. I am going to have a video up later today that John and podcast and video that John Garcia did breaking down 2023 quarterback recruiting right now. So that's kind of where, where that is. All right. Alan Watson says, hello, Brian uh, and Ryan. I remember, uh, I think BK's first or second year, I remember looking at the guys that came in at the bi- big tight end from Oil City, Pennsylvania, that'd be Ben Koyak, and thought these guys look different. Now I can say it again. Yeah, Alan, you are correct. They're recruiting some really talented tight ends. I mean, really talented tight ends. That's what i will I think they're going to be fine at tight end next year. If if by fine you mean how will they compare to the rest of college football, they'll be fine. They'll be good there. If your gauge is will anyone be Michael Mayer, well, then you're going to be disappointed. That shouldn't be the standard. The standard should be are they going to be good? Can they help the team win? Can they play an important role in the offense? I think they can do all those things. They're just not going to – it's just not going to be the type of play that, that – um, that they had from Michael Mayer, in my opinion. Robert Bishop said, uh, would you guys have ranked Edwards third out of the running backs we were bringing in? So a couple things, they were not recruiting him as a running back per se. They were recruiting him as an athlete. He was going to do a lot of different things, some slots, some, you know, some, a little bit of running back, but more slot, more return game. If you were going to evaluate him as a pure running back, then yeah, he's third. He's not as good as Jaden Lamar and Jeremiah Love as a pure running back. He's just a unique explosive dynamic player that brought an element that you want and and need more of in your offense. I think they're going to be fine without him. I mean, they're loaded there. But it's kind of like this. Like are they going to be fine without Dylan Edwards? Yeah, they're going to be fine. But what I what I don't like is when people say it's like when a kid transfers or a kid goes pro. Well, we'll be fine cuz we still have so and so and so and so. Yeah, that's true. But wouldn't you even be even better if you had so and so and so and so and the kid that left? And that's kind of how I feel about it. Like they're going to be fine at running back and, and receiver, uh, more than fine. But I still would have liked him to be a part of it if he was willing to buy in, and clearly he wasn't willing to buy in, and uh, and that's the reason he's not in the class anymore. I got a super chat from CF who, who also had a question. Thank you for that very much. This is any news on the portal quarterback? Is it true? Is it true that the portal quarterback is ineligible for the bowl game? Yes, portal portal players do not play in bowl games. I uh, they can't play until the next semester starts, which is going to be in January for most people. So yeah, he will not, the, whoever the portal quarterback is, if they get a portal quarterback, that guy will be playing. Um, next time you'll, the next time you'll see him playing or in, in playing at Notre Dame will be in spring practice. So that'll be, uh, that'll be it. We have a super, a, a question here from ERO 5.2. I know you asked this one earlier. We uh, get to it and this did not get to it. What's the ideal size for Burnham or go by our next season and where are they now? Well, Josh Burnham's listed at, I think, 6'3 1⁄2", two thir- 233 pounds, I think is what he's listed as. Give me a second. I'm going to pull it up because I actually just have this in uh, – I'm working on a replace and reload article for the front page that will be out here in a little bit. So let me just uh, look at that thing real quick. So the, he was listed this year at 6'3 half, two thirty three. 233. Aiden Goldbeier is listed at basically 6'4 half, two forty one. 241. I don't know if he's 241. I I don't really put a lot into ideal size. It's more about functional strength. And can you play at a certain size? I mean, I've seen guys 260 that can't play like 260 guys. And I've seen guys 230 that play like they're 260. I think for me, it's about, you know, having enough weight that you can hold up at the point of attack, but not being to the size where you know some guys you look at two different body you took the same body type 6'3 230 some guy's going to be able to gain 30 pounds and get more explosive some guys going to gain 30 pounds and get slow because his body can't handle it i don't know what their natural body type is i think gate and go i'd like to see him eventually around 250 of good 250 uh, like a real 250 josh burnham i don't think needs to get a whole lot bigger I think his thing is maybe five to 10 more pounds, but just get stronger and improve your technique. I don't, especially for that Viper role. I don't think that guy has to be 260 pounds. Isaiah was that way because he just was a big kid naturally. I mean, Julian Aguara played that position of like 225 sometimes and played it pretty well. So I I think it just depends on the kid. It's gotta be natural, right? That's the thing. It's gotta be natural. So um, yeah, we'll see kind of how that plays. All right. And then the last question that we're going to have here, uh, and we'll kind of pull this up, is uh, who's the surprise player of the 2023 class? Just to remind people that we will be doing something along these lines more in depth on signing day and in the shows uh, after signing day. But if by surprise player you mean a guy that maybe is ranked lower now that could end up being a really high-ranked player, I think I know who that guy is for Ryan, and that's Armel Mukum. Ryan kind of views him as a guy that may never play because he's raw, but he's also a guy that he thinks could like someday be a dude uh, and really blow up. You know, I don't know if I have a surprise guy because I think most Notre Dame fans appreciate the talent of the players that they have. I mean, if I were to say a Don Schuler, that wouldn't surprise Notre Dame fans. Um, you know, so so it's kind of hard to to think about who that is. I would say maybe Joe Otting as an offensive lineman, uh, Ben Minich is someone, somebody said could be, could be that guy on defense. I think Ben Minich has a chance to be a pretty good player down the road. Uh, if they, if you know, him, Peyton Bowen and Don Schuler could end up being a really special, special safety tandem down the road. But, uh, you know, I think a guy for me that I don't think gets a lot of talk that I think has a chance to be a really good player at the next level is Devin. Hues- I think Devin Houston is really an underrated player. I think he's got a chance to be a really good football player at the next level. For sure. Somebody else mentioned Rico. Um, yeah, he, he could be there for sure because he gets a little overshadowed by some of the other receivers. Caleb Smith, no, no, that's who it is for me. Caleb Smith on offense, Devin Houston on defense. That's my two. The two guys that could be the biggest surprise. And again, I don't say Don Schuler because I don't think I don't think me saying a Don Schuler surprises anybody in this chat. I don't. I think people in this chat get that. Maybe nationally because some of the clown rankings we've seen, but I don't think anybody in this chat's gonna be like, uh oh, Rico's not a surprise. What are we talking about? We all think he's gonna be good. I mean, not Rico, but Adon uh, Schuler. I think they'd all think he's going to be good. So I don't really count that one as a surprise, in my opinion. So um, anyway, so that's uh, that's going to be it for the show today, everybody. Thank you all so much for being with us. Uh, this is, I believe, I, 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 I'm i not sure if the guys are going to be doing... Let me just see if I got a message from Sean Styers. I'm not sure uh, if... Um, yeah, I'm not I'm not sure if they're gonna be doing it. Let me actually ask Sean Styres if they're doing a um a rapid fire tonight. I'm not sure if they're gonna do that tonight, uh, or not. So hopefully he'll respond to me before we're done. But before we get out of here, I do want to thank everybody for um the patience that you've seen. If if you are someone who's on the website and you use PayPal and you're wondering why you got a cancellation message, I have another email that I sent. We had to go, we've gone through now basically gotten rid of our PayPal account. Uh, that show is getting ready to start right now. So you're going to want to run over there. I'm going to talk to Sean here uh, about moving that show back down the road, but the IB nation sports talk guys are going to be starting to rapid fire here in a, in a couple minutes. And uh, so go there, but if you're a PayPal member and you got that cancellation, we, we canceled our, our PayPal account. So we're no longer using PayPal as a, a, a membership payment method. And so once we canceled those accounts, it triggered an automatic cancellation of your account on Irish Breakdown. The cancellation is not a true cancellation. You still have access to your account. You still have access to the board. What it just meant was is your auto renew was canceled, which meant at the end of your whatever payment method you've had, whether you're monthly or annually, it just means when that term ends, then you're going to have to re-up. It won't auto renew. You have to put in a new payment method is all that means. So you, no one lost access or you shouldn't. And if you did, shoot me an email and we'll get you squared away, but no one's lost access. You shouldn't lose access. That should be good to go. So before you head over to IB Nation Sports Talk, hit that like button, everybody. Hit that subscribe button. Hit the notification bell. Share this podcast. Sign up for the CFB Nation YouTube channel, but also the podcast app. I think there's a lot of people that aren't signed up for that that need to sign up for that because we're eventually going to move that away from my breakdown feed, and I still want those guys to thrive and get the downloads and the views and the payment that they're getting now. So uh, make sure you're subscribing to the CFB channel. Uh, podcast app as well definitely check that out that's where you'll find lucky lefty cfb all america a state of recruiting we're gonna start doing some all of our draft stuff that we're gonna do is gonna go on that part of the podcast with ryan and i as we get into the uh, draft season as well so you're definitely gonna sign subscribe to that as well and of course sign up for the message boards of boards at dot so thanks for being with us everybody we'll talk to you again soon head over to ib nation sports talk right now for their friday rapid fire